Hi, this is James Joachim of Webcomics Reviews and Interviews, and tonight we're talking your all-important Bible. So sit back, relax, and let the Geek Fest begin. One of the really cool things about working on a lot of your bigger shows is that they've learned over a t- period of time that they need some way to, some form of, I guess what you'd call metacommunication between various writers and directors. That is, they need to have some sort of centralized location of information that allows them to give this big book to, say, new writers to let them know that, hey, this is what's happened before, this is what we plan on happening, and here's some really great general trivial about the stuff. This also allows a director to get a general gist of what's going on and to be, be able to better plan his shot, especially when you include you know, information on locations. Um, some shows have a ridiculous amount of lore, and they need that lore put somewhere in order to again, allowed to be transferred between writers. I mean, just look at how much vampire lore that's in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, for example. Or, if we're looking at Xena, Warrior Princess, how much information you had to keep track of the gods. So, if this can be applied to webcomics, well, the advantages you're going to see as a writer, are, or even for that matter as an illustrator, are that you're going to basically have some sorts of information some really great organization that allows you to look at what's going on in your comic, and you can even design story arcs based on the information you've got in your Bible just to see what happens. So, that's something that needs to be sort of considered. I mean, setting up a Bible may sound like a lot of work, and trust me, it is. But when you start getting it really well organized, it is so worth the problems it causes. So, what exactly is in a Bible? Well, because you are doing a webcomic, keep in mind that a lot of the stuff I'm going to be saying is going to include not just the hardcore facts, but it's also going to include a lot of illustrations. Um, the really cool thing is, let's say you've got a character named Zeb, and you're curious what he looks like in, say, his underwear or in a tux. Odds are you're going to already have that information somewhere in the Bible under Zeb's information. At that point, it's just looking up Zeb, saying, hey, this is what he looks like in his underwear. And it's sort of creepy that you probably have that picture, but it's nonetheless something really good to have for future reference. Sort of building on that, what this means is you can have in-depth character bios. In other words, have all the information you'd ever want on a particular character, and as the comic progresses, you can update that information to represent new relationships, new history, you know, even if there's new changes in his appearance. Obviously, you're also going to be wanting to sit down ahead of time and figure out just real basic uh, pictures of what the character looks like in various situations. I would sort of advise at least four or five emotional faces. You know, obviously you're going to need happy, sad, anger, and one or two others. Um... You're also going to want character illustrations of what the character does, even if they're like really quick. Going back to Zeb, let's say he's a mechanic. Obviously, you're going to want to see him in a shop or fixing something. Also, you're going to want to do various illustrations of the character in various dress dresses, or in this case, what they look dressed in various areas. Um, I would advise at least a formal, you know, tux or something equivalent. Um, Something decided what he's, you know, what his everyday dress is, what he looks like at the beach, and yeah, I hate bringing it up, but you're also going to probably do some underwear shots. 
you're going to find out that, especially as the illustrator goes, these are really cool ideas on how to actually build the character in your mind and how to get centered more around the character. I mean, I know it sounds sort of weird that, you know, and i got to get fixi- non-fixated on that, but even knowing what kind of character, uh, what kind of underwear the character dress is in actually helps you get around the character because, let's get real, every, you know, certain underwear has certain symbology attached to it. If I'm doing somebody who, say, working class, or, you know, obviously I'm going to probably put them in, you know, white boxers or even, you know, whitey tighties. If I'm doing a junior character, that is a character who is either, you know, not just a minor, but a character who's, you know, a, more of a supporting character, I'm probably also going to put that person in tidy whiteies as well, and if I'm trying to suggest something virginal. Uh, conversely, if I'm trying to get somebody who's a little bit more on the, say, modeled side, I might put the person in boxer briefs. If I've got somebody who's, like, totally casual, boxers. And, of course, even the type of underwear says a lot of stuff, you know? Uh, if I've got somebody running around in, with boxer briefs that have hearts on them, obviously I've got a little bit of romance thing going. Um, you know? So on and so forth. It's, you know, even if I differentiate between somebody who says wears a tropical shirt all the time versus somebody who wears a polo shirt, just that little bit of change in uniform changes how I'm going to think, perceive the character. And that's also going to help me when I start writing the character because I've got something I can go back and visualize. And as an artist, obviously, at that point, you've got what they call a model sheet to work from. So therefore, you've got something you can actually go back and say, hey, I'm having a problem visualizing this person. You know, I can go back to this page and, cool, I've got exactly what the person does. Obviously, if you're going to be working with a lot of different writers and illustrators, even, you know, the occasional guest, having this information on hand is not always going to be a bad thing. And this doesn't just apply to characters as well. I mean, like you say, the uh, regular comic, when you've got groups like, say, Hydra and Shield running around, wouldn't it be really cool if you could have all the information on the character's symbol, uh, what, the char- what the organization stands for and how it generally implements its things, however those... You know, if they have a standard operating procedure for something, you can actually put that in the Bible as well. And, of course, if you've got some or uniform ideas, you can also put that in there. And, you know, again, you've got the model sheet you can go back to. Obviously, you just have to work out, you know, the various ranks and insignia for those ranks, as well as any other small organizations. I mean, the Bible, if somebody was doing a Bible on, say, the U.S. Army you know that thing would be huge just for the sheer number of unit insignias as well the ranks and all that especially if you start looking at the fact that those have huge histories and again this helps you out because it allows you to go back and say hey obviously the modern organization has changed over the last 10-20 years and this allows you to go back and say hey this is uh, you know from that time period and this is the current uniform I mean, if you're trying to do occasional Easter eggs, or better yet, if you're trying to do time travel stories, or if you're trying to do flashbacks, all of a sudden you've got some really cool information you can use. You're also going to want to include base and location information. I know this sounds sort of weird, but, you know, if you have multiple sets, having a general illustration of what the set looks like 
isn't going to necessarily, is always a good thing. It gives you something you can go back and say, hey, this is what the bar looks like. Uh, this is what Zeb's bedroom looks like. This is what his lab looks like. And hey, this is even what the outside of his building looks like. You know, the more information you have on the characters in the setting is always a good thing. And of course, if you want to go ultra trivia, you can also include various equipment and books and, you know, all the sundry paraphernalia as well. I mean, just having as many, much information as you can have helps in the long run. Again, like I said, it's going to be a pain to set up. And it's probably even going to be a pain to keep organized, especially if you go anal on it. But the bottom line is, is that all this character information and equipment information and organizational information can only help you as a writer in the long term. This also means you've got a really great way to track relationships. Not only can you track the personal relationships between characters and how they change over time as well as what they are initially plus what they, you plan on them becoming, but it also means that when you've got different organizations, you can also track how those organizations deal with each other. I mean, think this through for a sec. On the organizational front, it means that we can have, you know, we can write down that Zed is currently having a relationship with his beau, Deborah. He at one point had a relationship with Kathy that didn't go over too well. And eventually, we plan on him either settling into some sort of long-term relationship with Deborah, or at least with somebody else. You know? It gives you basically a way to plan ahead for the future of those characters. And again, you are you can track how the characters, how the relationships change over time. Which, of course, can give you some really great inspiration if you're trying to, you know, you decide that this relationship just isn't going anywhere. You can go look over the character's relationship, see what's worked and see what hasn't, usually what hasn't, and set it up and either continue the chain or figure out a way to set the character up with somebody who's actually going to work out. You know? Having that relationship, and that just doesn't apply to romance. It applies to family relationships. I mean, let's get and friends. I mean, a lot of those are going to change over time. Especially if you have a reasonably long comic. I mean, even with Peanuts, you had some of the characters change relationships over time. You know? I mean, just look at the relationship between Linus, Snoopy, and Charlie Brown himself. You know, Charlie always vacillated pretty much between those two, but he also invited other friends in, like Franklin or Peppermint Patty. All this relationship tracking information is saying is that, hey, we've got all these really great characters. How are they interacting with each other? And you can actually track this over time if you so desire. You know, obviously the advantage is that means you can actually add a third dimension to your characters just in the terms of how you deal with other people. And again, this is something that helps solidify those characters in your mind. And because of that, well, the more solidified the characters are, the better you're going to be able to write them. I mean, you're honestly going to hit a point where these characters will be writing themselves. Worse yet, or better yet, depending on how you want to look at it, these characters are going to be bugging you at, say, 3 o'clock in the morning and saying, Hey, I don't like what you did. Can you do this instead? This may work just a little bit better for me. It's honestly going to hit a point where you're going to hear these characters talking to you in their own individual actions and whatnot. And these are the steps on how you establish all, 
all that information to help you get into the heads of those characters better. And again, it works just as well with organizations as well. And even character interactions with organizations. Like, let's say you've got a character who's having some IRS issues. Or, you know, way back when, he was trying to set up a restaurant. It did pretty well, but he was forced to step back. What happens if you're going through your notes and notice that, hey, this would be a really cool plot line to bring back in? At that point, you go back in, see what kind of relationships you had with the people that were working, maybe get rid of a couple of the workers, and at that point, you start going, hey, I can actually bring this restaurant back in as an actual entity in and of itself. Um, and look at, this, look at this, what happens when we're looking at the larger organizations like, say, again, Hydra and Shield. You know, the two of them have pretty much had an antagonistic relationship. The reality is, is that they've had certain characters go from one char- one organization to another. They've had double, triple, quadruple agents. Um, you know, they've got a pretty long relationship. And some of these organizations don't have what you'd call completely consistent characterization. Hydra, for example, has been portrayed as a hero a couple of times. Sometimes they've even, even though they've tried to create weird situations as far as the heroes go, they nonetheless have created their own share of villains and even heroes. Um, as an example, uh, look at Jessica Drew from Spider-Woman. At one point, they'd had a brainwash to believe that she was a arachnid that had become human. And because of that, we were able to better control her. Eventually, she slipped off the brainwashing and became a hero in her own right. So if you're trying to set up, you know, some sort of redemption arc for a character, you now have a situation where you can fit them into an organization you've got really well detailed. You can actually give them a little bit of a history, set up how they have relationships within that organization, and then actually build those organizations into, you know, actual entities in and of themselves because they have their own relationships. And then, of course, as the relationships between the characters and the organizations change, you know, notice how Jessica Drew went from being a villain, uh, as in a secret agent of Hydra, to an actual full-fledged hero. And I think at one point she actually did join S.H.I.E.L.D., but I'm not, don't, count, don't quote me on that. You know, nonetheless, Jessica Drew has become part of certain superhero organizations. And obviously, if you do have superhero organizations or any kind of heroic organizations or just, you know, groups in the first place, this allows you to track the the history and membership and even make up history and membership. Um, You know, obviously, if you've got a group that's been around for, you know, centuries, you're going to want to be able to go back and make up the heroes and the villains of that particular organization and you've got lots of history to work with and you can actually have a lot of fun with it um and I know that sounds all sorts of weird but you're obviously you're going to start hitting the point where there's going to be situations where you're going to want to figure out how to use this bible well obviously as I keep pointing out there's a lot of ways that you can use it for straight inspiration when it comes to setting up your webcomic. You know, you can go back 
go through and say, hey, I didn't quite follow up on this one. Or I like this character, but we haven't really used him recently. Hey, what, how can you use him right now? Or, you know, even if you have a defunct organization, what happened to that organization's buildings and equipment? Is any of it still around? Heck, are any of the characters still around? I mean, let's get real. When a comic book organization, you know, goes defunct, there's a big question of who took over its holdings, what happened with the individual characters, and more importantly, what happens with weapons of mass destruction they developed. At this point, you can actually go back through and go track down some of these things and either assign them to current groups or have them make their own organization to take on some of your current groups. You know, your your Bible can actually be a great place to find story seeds. You can go through it, mine it every so often, and if you're... I mean, this is really great if you've got a problem with writer's block. You know? You've got the question of, I have no idea where to go, and you're having problems with certain characters, you can actually go through and go, okay, let's see what's in my Bible, where... You know, are there any storylines I can actually build on, or are there characters that need to be made to fill slots? You know, in the comics themselves, you've got characters that, like Franklin, for example, who was designed because he needed a black character for the Penis cartoon. So, thus he was created. It's just, you know. And I keep going into the obvious diversity issues with what's going on in the comics right now. But it's a really great opportunity to go through and see if you can create any kind of legacy characters. That is, has this character been around too long to the point where I'm getting bored of them? How do I really change them up? And this is an opportunity to actually have a little bit of fun with your various characters. I mean, you can go through and say, hey, wouldn't it be really cool if I took this second string character, retired this first string character, or at least put him down on the second string, took the second string character and moved him into that character's position. This also gives you the advantage you can see if you have any actual characters missing. You know, sometimes you'll have a character that would be really great, but you've got to do something to change him up a little bit. You've either got to change his personality, you've got to change how he's dressed, um, so on and so forth. One more interesting idea is, is what happens if the character himself realizes that he's been around too long and he wants to take a break? Hey, at that point, he's perfectly legit to, to train a sidekick. Or if you've got a situation where you've decided that the character is becoming too powerful, wouldn't it be really great if the character was to train the person who could take him down? I mean, in a lot of ways, this is sort of where Robin comes in from Batman. A lot of the Robins have actually been trained as hardcore as they have been specifically to be able to take Batman down if the situation arises. So it's not just a, I'm going to take in some poor orphan kid off the street. He's actually got a tactical reason for having that sidekick. Admittedly, I find it sort of weird. He's got some serious child endangerment rule issues going around, but, you know... If you had a kid's sidekick, wouldn't you put him in the least colorful costume you could think of, rather than something that's going to stand out even in a dark night? Pun intended. But, you know, it's just something to consider. It's, you, this 
really cool, huge document you got can be mined endlessly if you do it right. Um, obviously, it also allows you to set up some sort of organization, and I'm not just talking about a group. You know, if you, what I'm sort of suggesting isn't necessarily in this case to use a computer database, because there are some interesting issues when you use a computer for, the, for this kind of situation. What I'm sort of suggesting is you use a loose leaf binder. Yeah, I'm talking the one with the three rings, and the, where you have to get a hole punch for the typing paper. What this allows you to do is it allows you to take the carrot, organize either the loose leaf binder or the huge series of loose leaf binders. If you have to get a box with um, files in it, hey, that's fine too. I'm just sort of suggesting that a physical copy of your computer information has some serious advantages. It allows you, for example, at the very least, to take out the various information and put it literally right in front of you so you can get a general view of everything you need to see at one time. Which can be really cool because if you're trying to picture out exactly how two characters are getting along, having information right there in front of you from both characters obviously is a major advantage. And of course this applies in a lot of other ways as well because it gives you multiple ways to organize the information. You know, if I was trying to organize this with a computer would take a ridiculous amount of time, some serious cut and paste skills, and it may not be worth the time I'm putting into it. But if I've got a loose leaf binder, where I can basically just open it up, take out the information, and reshuffle the information as needed, it gives me a really cool way of looking at the information. Um, let's say, for example, I have generally keep my information so I've got char you know, characters, in one area, bases in another, and organization information in a third. And all of a sudden I get this really weird idea of, hey, uh, what do my organizations actually look like? So all of a sudden, what you can do is you can, you know, put out your various organization information, subdivide it into the and put the equipment and the locations on each one of that those piles, and then pile on the various characters. Of course, if you have characters who have multiple affiliations between the various groups, it's going to get wild, don't get me wrong. But, it does allow you to reorganize the information visually, and if you really want to, you can even reorganize it back into your loose-leaf folder that way, you know? There are some serious advantages to actually having a three-ring binder where you've got this information that can be reorganized however you want it to be reorganized. And, of course, like I said, there is an advantage, you know, you can physically pass this around and have people look at the various illustrations of the character without having to, you know, have to go between interlinked documents, which can get really tedious. Don't get me wrong, there's a lot of advantages to computers, but there are some times when the so-called Primatech versions actually work out a lot better. So that reorganization ability is definitely something to be looking into. On the other hand, the really cool thing you can do is story arcs. You know, you can see where, like I said, you can go back and look for information and you can see where there's information that needs to be expanded upon. And all of a sudden you'll sometimes notice there's a whole pattern of this situation that needs to be built on. You know, you've got all these really cool characters that belong to this really old, old organization and 
but you've never really used that organization. Well, what would happen if all those characters turned out to be sleeper agents for that organization, and that organization is actually coming back into the forefront? What's going to happen? You know, there's going to be some obvious conflicts between the sleeper agents because not all of them are going to want to be, remain as part of that former organization, and some of them obviously are going to betray their old organization. On the other hand, a lot of them could be, you know, betraying their current organizations. Uh, sort of an interesting example of this is the Millennia event from DC Comics a couple decades ago. Where essentially what they did was they decided, hey, we need, we've just got rid of all the guardians of the universe. We need to replace them with somebody else. And so let's bring up the new guardians. And as part of what they did was it brought back to the forefront an organization called the Manhunters, who were actually the, you know, guardians of the, well, not the guardians of the universe, sort of like the Green Lantern Corps, but more of a robotic thing. In fact, the Manhunters were ultra-sophisticated robots that were there just specifically to make sure that the various rules and regs that the Guardians were trying to enforce were well enforced. Well, over time, the Manhunters got a little too full of themselves and decided to start taking over the universe. Well, the Guardians put them down and this, of course, means that the Manhunters as a whole ended up going back to the background. You know, they were brought every, every so often. They'd find an old Manhunter character or, you know, a character that was trained by the Manhunters, and they'd start bringing those guys into the front. But the organization itself would stay in the background. Well, with the Millennia event, they needed a bad guy. And so it was pretty much decided to bring back the Manhunters, who were the former bad guys of the Green Lantern Corps, and actually have some of these characters that were... And I just found that, well, some... The Manhunters had infiltrated various groups in the DC Universe. All the way up to the 30th century. So, what you had was all of a sudden you had all these, all these characters that all of a sudden needed to be dealt with. And, of course, this helped bring the Manhunter organization into the forefront, however, temporarily. So, you know... Obviously, if you're also trying, it also helps design other arcs as well because all of a sudden you can go through and decide, hey, I want to see what these characters have been up to. What can I do to make these characters go into a massive conflict of some sort, and so on, and see what happens. You know, you can do anything from say Marvel Civil War, where you had all of a sudden all the major heroes go on to either Cap's side or Iron Man's side. Well. If you've got this stuff as a three-ring binder, open up the binder and start assigning characters to one of the two sides. Better yet, you don't have to do it like you did back in high, where it's like, you know, I have to decide character, you have to pick a character, and they keep going back and forth. You want to put 20 characters on one group and five in the other? That's up to you. You know... If you want to make one of the characters overwhelmingly powerful, again, that and it works for your particular situation, go for it. All I'm saying is that with having a Bible, especially if you have it in a three-ring binder, is that you have a really cool way of figuring out, you know, when you start thinking story arcs, and I'm not just talking the standard little, you know, 
weekly things, but I'm talking about a huge overarching, oh my gosh, we're going epic type of thing, all of a sudden you've got a really great way to go through and organize your notes. So, you know, obviously there's that. Of course, the thing that's going to be a pain is having to go through and write up a synopsis of what happened in the story arc, and then put a little bit of that into all the appropriate characters and organizations and even equipment and so on and so forth. Like I said, it's a really great thing, but you, if you want to make it work, you're going to have to keep it maintained. You know, I'm sort of suggesting is that you spend like, you know, an hour or so when you've actually written all your weekly comics and all that, is go back through and, you know, write up synopsis to put in all the appropriate areas. And yeah, this is a really cool area for cut and paste. And obviously you're going to have to reprint the entire thing every so often. Obviously the ink companies are going to love you. But this is all part of, you know, a little bit of becoming a professional. Obviously there's going to be some people that's not this isn't really going to apply to. However, before you shoot down the idea completely, Keep in mind, this does allow you to track a lot of other stuff as well. I mean, obviously, if you're doing some sort of running gag, you can actually track down the running gag and how often you're using check see how often you're using the running gag. Um, if you've got, you know, you not to, if you think you've been punishing one character way too much, you can actually go through and see just how badly you've been punishing that particular character. Which, of course, could bring an interesting story arc slash speed in and of itself, because all of a sudden, if the character's been having a really long string of bad luck, wouldn't it be sort of cool to see what happens if this character all of a sudden has a string of good luck? You know what I mean? The good old P- the Parker luck. Peter Parker's had the worst career everywhere. He's had to deal with massive amounts of death, dismemberment. He's had a, his more than fair share of deaths, breakups, so on and so forth. Wouldn't so it was sort of cool to see Marvel actually go through and say, "Hey, we've been throwing all this stuff at this character. What would happen if we actually had some fun? Let him have some fun." In a lot of ways, having Doc Ock take over for a little while was actually a pretty cool thing. Not only did we get to see a different type of Spider-Man, but he was able to actually jumpstart when Peter Parker actually took the character back over. In this case, it was sort of more of a literal thing, but you know, you get the idea. And I know I've got the four panel people going, there's no way this can apply to me, you know? Or even the one panel joke, you know, one panel gag comics. Obviously, something like this obviously is not really going to work for you. Or will it? I mean, think about it for a sec. What this does is it allows you to track your gags. It allows you to see if you're using one gag way too much. Um, If you're somebody who's trying to set up something really weird, like say put a code in the background for a contest... All of a sudden, you've got a way to track that code. And it's actually part of the actual, you know, history of the comic. It's not just something you put on, say, a piece of paper somewhere and you forget about it eventually. You can actually track this kind of weird stuff. Um, you know, and other than that, though, there's stuff about the relationships and all that is actually pretty cool. It allows you to, at least if you want to take, say, a break from the comic... For a little while, and just have somebody else do it. 
you've got all this really cool information that you can hand off directly to that next person. They don't have to go through and read, you know, 20, 30 years worth of comics. Well, obviously, you're not going to have that much set up, but, you know, they've got all the information set up for them concisely in one area. You can just give them that, or for that matter, you can just give them the USB drive and let them print out their own copy. You know, that is an option. It's just relative to organizing a comic on any level. It's not a bad idea. On top of that, and here's something that's really weird, is that webcomics are also businesses. You know, you need to occasionally do keep track of how your comic is doing over time. For those of us who are anal when it comes to keeping track of numbers, this is not necessarily a bad thing. It means I can actually go through, track down how many times a particular comic has been looked at, and, you know, decide if I want more of that comic or less of that comic based on popularity, if I want to do it that way. Obviously, that's not always going to be an option because sometimes what the visitors want, what the people I'm trying to sell it to, obviously I'm not going to be trying to please them all 100% of the time. Sometimes I'm going to want to throw something in there just for myself. Or I want to try something really weird and I don't really care what other people think. I just want to see if I can pull it off. Well, in a lot of ways, this allows you to track the success or failure of that experiment. You know, if you should, if you should be so inclined. Also, it allows you to throw in your business, business plan. That is, not only how you plan to expand the webcomic in the future, but to also... Make sure that you've got, you know, some sort of generalized plan as well as keeping track of what kind of merch you're selling, that sort of thing. I know it sounds sort of silly, but, you know, you will actually develop a catalog for yourself. And that's not necessarily a 100% bad thing. I mean, if nothing else, it allows you to put all this stuff into a PDF file and allows you to other people to download it, and especially if you can throw in links into your PDF. At that point, you've not just got a really cool little catalog, you've actually got an actionable catalog that people can click on stuff and be sent straight to an order form. So I know this is a really weird... This is not something you can do with, say, every Bible. I mean, obviously you can't do this with a lot of situations. But it's not worth something, you know, it is worth considering. Um... Other things you can do with the Bible? Well, obviously you can also keep track of also anything you do for marketing. Um, you want to track down how well your Kickstarters are done, plus what's available for the Kickstarters. This can also be part of the Bible. History can also be part of the Bible as well. In short, not only can you for story ideas and story concepts, but you can also use it to keep track of the business side of your webcomic as well. In short, this is taking a really cool basic idea from... Hollywood, and figuring out really weird ways to apply it to a more more two-dimensional form. So, obviously there's multiple ways you can organize the information. You can either do it in, like I keep pointing out, 3D binder, sorry, a 3-ring binder, which is possibly the ultimate form here, or you can have it on your desktop, so you can throw it into a USB drive every so often, 
or just port the entire folder into across the net to so somebody else can use it. You know, obviously this is allows some really great communication. You know, you're not just simply describe. You don't have to simply describe what a character looks like. You've got an actual illustration of what that character looks like in various states. You know, you really can't beat that as a model sheet. You've got all this. You've got all this history, including the relationships of the characters. So you can get into the personality of the character really easily, and you've also got, you know, the various organizations the character has been in, and how those organizations and those characters result in the, you know, the bigger world as well. Um, you can actually, like I said, go back and mine this for information and find some really great ways to combine stuff that you probably weren't thinking about combining in the first place. Um, if I want to make an argument, by the way, for a computer version, having a searchable database really is an incredible advantage to have here. And you'll notice that I'm saying database, not spreadsheet. That's because while spreadsheets can be really great and useful for looking at general information, sometimes you're going to want to group it a lot easier based on one or two fields, you know. If I want to look at, say, every X-Men character for the last 30 years, I can actually make, you know, I can ask you to ask for those two fields, and just those two fields alone. I don't have to have it grouped. You know, I don't have to worry about every character on the spreadsheet being reorganized based on what kind of X-Men history those people have. And if you really want to see the really weird application of this, you can actually throw up that if you eliminated, you know, this particular group, who all would you eliminate with it? And it starts getting interesting to see where all the holes start developing all the other teams. I really think that if you got rid of the Avengers, Defenders, and X-Men, you would eliminate almost 90% of Marvel's characters. Just something to consider. But, you know, that easy organization is definitely a major advantage to having some sort of database set up. Um, and like I keep emphasizing, you can actually do some really cool story arcs based on, you know, characters and situations that are way back in the past and haven't been brought up for a lot while. You know, Zeb's restaurant. If Zeb wanted to get out of mechanic for whatever reason, all of a sudden you could have a really cool story arc where he goes into a restaurant, builds up the restaurant, and or flubs it completely. But either way, he decides that he doesn't want to be a restaurateur and decides he wants to go back to being a mechanic. That's cool. Or you can actually transform the character and actually make him into some sort of restaurateur. Even if you don't have to make him a chef, you know, just somebody who owns it and is able to make a success at it in and of itself is worth it. If you have him to pick up a recipe or two, great. But he doesn't have to go, make the complete shift from being a mechanic to a chef. And let's get real, there's enough mechanical parts to running a restaurant that having somebody with a little bit of mechanical knowledge is not a bad thing. You know? Having somebody who can fix a dishwasher when it breaks down can provide an interesting conflict in and of itself, especially if Zeb finds out he's the only one available to do it, but he's got to get a date with his Deborah at the same time. And if you notice how I've been able to develop Zeb as a character as we go along, I mean, you know he wears whitey tidies. You know he has his own little uh, mechanic sh shop in his garage. You know he's been running a restaurant. 
You notice how this character is becoming a more three-dimensional character as we discuss this concept? And now imagine that that applied to any of your characters. And even if you're running, say, a gag comic, look at the advantages we're setting up here. You know, besides being able to track your gags, you can actually develop characters over a period of time. And actually you have a lot more fun with those characters because the characters are no longer one-dimensional characters created just for one particular gag. But all of a sudden these characters have a little bit of a history to them. They've got relationships in the world in general. And those relationships in themselves can be gags. Um, and of course you'd be running the, four, the standard four-panel com- four comic. Well... Consider the, or- consider the standard organization of a four-panel comic over a week's period. You know, you've got six comics that basically tell a really short story, and you end up with a um, a Sunday strip. Well, if you're doing a web comic and you're not doing the full seven panel or seven, no, yeah, seven panels a week, but you're only doing say a Monday, Wednesday, Friday type of deal, or even a Tuesday, Thursday. All of a sudden, you've got a really great way to expand it from just that one particular two or three days a week, and you could have a strip that goes the entire month. And you've got nice and well organized, so when you start doing the writing, all of a sudden, you've got a really great way to look back and say, hey, this is stuff I need to build on, and here, hey, I can even keep it organized. You know? So for a four-panel person, not only do you get all the advantages of having a full-blown comic, but... You've also got miniaturized to where it's useful for your little four-panel comic. I'm not trying to use little as a derogatory. I'm just trying to point out that there's a big difference between, see, the X-Men, which has this ridiculous, huge history, and it's very convoluted and needs to be taken, needs to be managed, versus, say, something like the Twitch, okay, admittedly, has probably a longer history than most of the X-Men. But, you know, and there's a lot complicated. Um... We've got into Snoopy's family, for example. You know, we've looked at the relationships on a lot of different levels between Charlie Brown and Lucy, both as friends, antagonists, even to a certain degree, what would happen if they were to get become boyfriend and girlfriend. The potential, not necessarily the reality. So there's a lot of really cool stuff going on there that you as a writer can take full advantage of, and you probably should. So there's some, a lot of stuff you need to consider when it comes to setting up your Bible and it may not be a bad idea to actually spend the time to go through and manage all this. So, the dreaded summing up. <laughs> uh, Bible is very basically just a really great way to create a centralized location for all the information relative to your comic. It allows you a way to keep track of it, expand on it, and even reorganize it pretty much as you want you know you can you can reorganize it according to organization according to who's used this piece of equipment so on and so forth it just allows you a really cool way of basically transmitting that information from person to person you can either put it into a USB drive translate it into a file over the internet or in my personal opinion even better a series of three ring binders but how you do it is up to you you know, however, there is no such thing as a one-size-fits-all solution, and obviously if some of the stuff I'm talking about works for you and not all of it does, 
Just take the stuff that works. That's fine. I'm just putting out information that you hopefully will be able to use. Um, obviously, there's going to be some advantages to having this information. You're going to be able to set up, you know, go through and mine it for inspiration later on. You know, you can look story seeds that need to be developed, stuff that needs to be modified, and have a lot of fun with people that just haven't been in the comic for a while. That's cool. You've obviously got a sense of organization that you can change as needed. And you can actually use this to set up story arcs as well as organize your, what's going to happen in your comic in the future. All told, having a Bible is not necessarily a bad thing. It act, nothing else, just having one around makes you look a lot more professional. And if you don't really care, hey, you know, it's something, just something really cool to add to the portfolio. So, there you are. So have some fun, get some drawing done, get some writing done, and have a good evening. I'll talk at you later.